Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi, Philippi, and on the way, he asked his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist and others, Elijah and still others, one of the prophets, he asked them, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, you are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days, rise again. He said all this quite openly, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples, and he said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of them, the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. Who are you? Who, 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 who? Who are you? Got backup singers. Who, 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 who? I really want to know. All right. Now you're awake. <laughs> but if you were here because you saw the sermon title and you, you thought, wow, the who's going to be performing at our worship service today, I just wanted to sing that so you could be extraordinarily disappointed. Yes, right. I know Pete Townsend is still alive but he's probably not with us unless there's an extraordinary coincidence today. Pete? Nope. Sorry. But his lyrics and the song from The Who resonated back in his day. It resonated for him. It was a very personal song. I did a little searching on that. I really just chose the song um, and that title, or I chose the title and then thought about that song, I guess, after the fact. But uh, it was a big it was about a big day of identity and, and what was, what was uh, who, who Pete was going to be and who the band was going to be and all this kind of stuff. It resonated with him. It resonate, resonated then. It, I think it resonates today. I think as big questions of identity surround us in our culture, and, and they're certainly surrounding us here in our readings as well, that question, who are you? Who are we? Who am I? There's a professor, uh, Dong Hyun Jung, who points out that in our gospel reading today, Jesus is tapping into how the empire defines people. Um, he's tapping into something that kind of coincides with that but takes a different direction. Let me read what he writes. He says, after being called out by Jesus, Peter now has to listen to Jesus' inconceivable and defeatist expectations for discipleship. Deny oneself take up the cross, 
and lose your life. Peter probably has heard of this kind of horrific expectation from the Roman Empire. Pax Romana, or the so-called Peace of Rome, promised peace in exchange for denying oneself for the empire, taking up the burden of taxation and forced labor, and even sacrificial death at the behest of the empire. Listening to Mark's Jesus sounds like listening to the Roman emperors, the sons of God, the so-called saviors. End of his quote. Well, for those under Roman rule, and the people of God were under Roman rule, not by choice, but by being conquered, um, it was obey or else. You'll get it. But Jesus bearing the cross not only shows that that's what happens, there's the or else, right? He not only dies under this kind of false peace of Rome, but he dies to contrast the identity that we're given with a very opposite kind of kingdom. This is not a kingdom which protects power and wields power from a king you must bow down to or else, but rather offers a king who willingly lays down power, willingly lays down authority to enter into our suffering and then invites us into a kingdom where that suffering is redeemed and where we are called to do the same, to take up our cross and follow. Now, Anyone who would have heard Jesus' words when he spoke them would have been completely scandalized by them. They didn't, weren't walking around with little gold crosses around their necks. The cross was a very real and very feared instrument of torture and death from the Roman Empire. And, and those who heard, many of those who did hear these words would also suffer a death by the Roman Empire. Peter, as an example, was actually crucified as well. Now, obviously, we don't have that kind of threat before us for the most part. There are Christians in our world who are very much under persecution and threat of death, for sure. But for the most part, in our country, our culture, we don't have that threat. And so I think sometimes we kind of do weird things with this word from Jesus, if we don't ignore it at all. (laughs) But I think we sometimes do strange things that have nothing to do with what his call to us really is today. You see, taking up the cross is not spiritualizing what is going on in our lives or trying to find like ways that we're suffering or taking up a cross. As if if taking up the cross is God's sort of giving us loads of burdens to bear, which we can point to or brag about maybe or complain about. My husband is just my cross to bear, right? That's not what Jesus is getting at here, okay? Um, Joy J. Moore from Luther Seminary, I think, really nails this idea when she says that bearing the cross is not a focus on our own suffering, especially a focus on our suffering like, oh, well, God has given me this cross to bear, but living in such a way that we become a part of the mission of the cross, which is to relieve the suffering of others. I especially want to make that clear if you are suffering today. Because this word is not an affirmation that God is handing out hardship to you for some sadistic purpose. The cross, remember, was not God's instrument at all. It was an instrument of an empire that was abusive and was bent on shaming and torturing and killing those that defied it. 
But there are plenty of crosses, I think, that exist out there today, ones that try to kill us or define us or lead us astray. But this word from Christ today is an affirmation that Jesus has gone to the depths of your suffering and calls your community to bear the cross, to bear the instruments of death, to carry it with you so that you might know the support of your community and the ultimate redemption that you have in Christ Jesus. In fact, even where and when we fail as individuals, where we fail as a community to support those in carrying the cross, Christ will never fail us. And so losing ourselves, our judgments, our agendas, our safeties, our false senses of security, and our empty pursuits of happiness leave us vulnerable and open to bear with one another. And the strange thing is, the strange thing is here that against all the voices of logic and reason of our day, against all of those things, um, the deep sense of purpose and true joy that comes from such emptying is its own incredible reward. It brings meaning, and it brings purpose, and it brings community. And may I say our mission to connect deeply to Christ and broadly to our community, that mission that we have, loving Kitsap and the world, I think is really vital. It's really important. It is a holy thing, and it's what we're called to in Jesus' words today. Now, I don't know, now that it's February, the end of February even, maybe your New Year's diet is starting to fail at this point, or has weeks ago, but Lent can be an incredible time to lose other kinds of weight. Perfection, fear, isolation, safety, keeping up appearances, and so much more. Even happiness, I think, this kind of sense of entitlement of happiness or the expectation that we have to be happy all the time or that everyone else is happy and so should we be is this really crushing drug that has turned us into addicts that are unable to cope with hardship, hardship, conflict, or even the differences that others might have from us. We hide in this kind of false sense. We keep pressing this lever of happiness. There's a whole book written on the consequences of pushing the happiness lever and how that ultimately leaves us quite the opposite. Not happy at all. Not joyful at all. Not thankful at all. It it lures us into this kind of thing. But I'll I'll leave it at that. You can read the book. (laughs) There are the kinds, these are the kind of things we might bring to this, this kind of radical way that we start our worship. It's the only place I know where we start and we say, I'm... I'm out, of, I'm out of steam. I'm, I'm out of the power. I don't have the power to overcome the brokenness of my own life or the brokenness of the world. I confess those things here. Maybe we should bring those things to this place. I confess them. Take them, God. You can take this load. Free me so that I may be freed to be who you have created me to be. I said before I chose this song because it kind of fit with this sense of identity, who Christ is and then so who we are. But I actually looked down in the lyrics of the song, and if you know it well, 
if you're a Who fan, there's this verse that I couldn't believe it was there. But listen to this. Maybe this is kind of the confession that we might bring. Um, The lyrics go like this. It says, I know there's a place you walked where love falls from the trees. My heart is like a broken cup. I only feel right on my knees. I spit out like a sewer hole, yet still receive your kiss. How can I measure up to anyone now after such a love as this? Didn't know that was part of that song. That was a beautiful surprise this morning. Freed. Set free. Coming before God honestly with all of who we are and knowing that he bears, not not only he bears that burden because of the cross, but then that we are called to bear that burden with one another. Free me, God, from the noise that I may hear you and I may see you and hear you in my neighbor. Even Abraham and Sarah get new names, new identities. Your name was everything in that day. Even their name is changed so that their identities may be part of this mission of God. They are called out and set apart. But why? What are they set apart for? Well, they are blessed to be a blessing. They aren't set apart so that they can be greater or on, you know, kind of ahead or of others, uh, but they are called to be a light to the nations of what it looks like to live under the reign of God alone. We still carry that call, that call to take up your cross and follow as radical as it would have sounded to Jesus' followers has really been there from the start of God's covenant promises with us, with God's people. Perhaps all of this really just comes down to the question of who you are. Who, 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 who? <laughs> Maybe it's not just that question, though. Maybe there's a greater question than this. Maybe it's more whose you are. Whose, 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 whose doesn't sound so good. But I think it's really the question for us today. Not just who you are, but whose you are, because that's the starting point. That's where we find our center. That's where we belong, where we are rooted and grounded in the love of Jesus Christ for us. That is where we have our belonging. Who you are is really, foundationally, it has its starting point in the question of whose you are. And the answer to that question is you belong to Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen.